Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I am your host, Andrew Arndt, and I'm joined today by Matt Brown. For those of our listeners that don't know, Matt is an evangelist, author, and founder of Think Eternity, which he leads along with his wife, Michelle. Think Eternity ministers the gospel to millions of people each year through online and live events. And they also minister to more than 2 million followers on social media every day. Matt is the author of several books, um, including Awakening, How God's Next Great Move Inspires and Influences Our Lives Today. He has a devotional coming out with Outreach Magazine this fall entitled Chosen. And then the forthcoming book to be released by Zondervan in the spring of 2019 is called Truth Plus Love, The Jesus Way of Influence. And so we're excited to have him on the podcast today. Welcome, Matt. Uh, Andrew, it's amazing to be with you. What an incredible church. What an incredible podcast. I was excited when you guys launched this, The Essential church podcast, and I love what you guys are doing with it. And man, it's just a huge honor to be a part of it. Well, we're excited. I mean, this podcast is all about talking shop, about ministry and life in the local church and what's going on in our culture and how we as pastors and leaders and the church can think better about it. So some of our listeners, I'm guessing, might not be aware of your ministry. And so I'm wondering if you could take some time here to tell us about Think Eternity, the ministry that you founded along with your wife, Michelle. So where did that come from? And then how are you seeing God use it? Well, really, uh, grew up in a, in a Christian home. I, I'll start there. Great Christian parents. Sensed the call to ministry at an early age, but in my late teens, really sensed a specific call to evangelistic ministry and just had such confirmations from God, you know, like we all do as ministers, to go in that direction, to walk down that road, to go down that path. And so went to Bible college and really started preaching in Bible college. Now I've been for 17 years preaching around the country, preaching in churches of many denominations and really holding our own events as well, our own conferences and outreaches. But we've also come to see online as a real opportunity for ministry as well. And so, uh, like you mentioned, we're, we see it as a, a holy responsibility to be preaching the gospel online and to be uh, releasing gospel videos and sharing biblical content with people because we feel like that can go where sometimes we can't go, you know, in the church sometimes. And, and really, you know, every church leader has this opportunity as well to uh, minister in a different way there as well. And so it's, it's just, man, it's an incredible time to be alive yeah. and to be ministering. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we've been doing uh, Think Eternity for 17 years. It's a nonprofit. We've got a small team around the country. And like I mentioned, we're doing events in online ministry and just excited about um, being able to serve the Lord and, and That's sweet. share about some of the stuff with you. So Matt, sounds to me like evangelism is really at the center of your sense of call and your passion as a leader. Uh, when you mentioned that word, it made me think of Paul. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. And I've always loved that because I think for a lot of pastors and leaders, evangelism is not a thing that comes naturally. It really is a thing that they have to work for and do. So how is your ministry helping pastors like think more critically about evangelism and emboldening them to evangelism? Yeah, so some of the ways we've done it is really partnering with local churches to do citywide events over the years, but also just kind of in our online content, some of the stuff that we've put out, and really just encouraging pastors everywhere, encouraging leaders everywhere, and Christians everywhere, just kind of in simple ways that they can be thinking about that, be evangelistic. God has given different gifts to the church, and so, you know, the gift and calling of the evangelist isn't, you know, for a past era, <laughs> um, but there's young people like myself who God is raising up. And, uh, you know, I think with Billy Graham passing away recently, yeah. I'm assuming that everyone listening to this probably felt something when he passed away that what next step do I need to be doing? I know I was thinking about that. Uh, what next step do I need to be doing to step more fully into my calling and to, you know, reach this generation with the gospel? Because yes, he was, 
he was bedridden for the, you know, for the later years of his life, but it just, he just felt this weight when he was gone. And so just have this burden for this generation to preach the gospel. And, um, you know, people like me, the church needs people. Pastors need people like me. You don't need me necessarily. Uh, I'm just one guy, but you need people like me to come alongside you who are passionate about sharing the gospel outside of the church. You need to get around those people. You know, I know a lot of pastors who are evangelistic, but if you struggle with that, uh, find people, you know, that really inspire you in that. And also find ways to step out that in your everyday life. Find ways to go be doing that because you can't tell your people to be doing something, you know. And this this really is, when you get down to the Central Church podcast, this is essential yes. to our leadership and to our faith is to be sharing the gospel with people outside the church. Yeah. So find, find ways to get around people that need to hear about Jesus. From the first century, right? I mean, that this is what the church has done. They've gone into the city streets and squares and they've lifted up the message of the kingdom and they've let that be the problem provocation to people. And yeah. I, I love that you bring up Billy Graham and the passing of Billy Graham. I grew up in the church like you did. And uh, Billy Graham was always a just a, a huge figure in our minds. And when he passed, I mean, I felt that. Mm. I felt that in my soul. And I, I, I it wasn't just, oh gosh, you know, we've lost one of our greats, but it was a who will pick up that mantle. Yeah. And it was the way I think that he held the mantle of evangelism so well. Like he modeled he modeled something I think that's unusual. A lot of evangelists can be, it's all fire and brimstone or some are like so seeker sensitive or whatever that you wonder where the gospel is and that. And to me, it just seems like Billy Graham kind of like had that, that sort of winsome presence. It was, it was truth and love, which is a lot of what your upcoming book is about. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could speak to what you saw in Billy Graham, maybe what you're trying to model of that in your oh, yeah. own ministry and and like, what does it look like to share the gospel effectively in our culture? Yeah, so much that I've learned from Billy Graham. I've read lots of books by him, books about him by his teammates. He had an incredible group of friends uh, that they did ministry together, and he always pointed to that. He was great at clearly presenting the gospel, and that's something that I would just encourage every pastor to think about if you don't already do this. How can, on a weekly basis, you clearly present the gospel at the end of your messages and maybe even give it an opportunity for people to respond to Christ? Because... The reality is, is that uh, there's Holy Spirit power when we preach the gospel. And when we talk about Jesus, when we lift up Jesus, God will move in a sovereign way and draw people to himself. And so that's something that I know as, as an evangelist, I'm sure you know as a pastor, but make more opportunities for that. If you make more opportunities for that, I believe more people will come to faith in Christ. Coming back to Billy Graham, the way he lived his life is, I think, what is such an example to all of us. And he is an example for so many leaders. Obviously, nobody's perfect, but he lived with such an integrity. Yeah. And he tried to avoid those stumbling blocks that leaders sometimes get caught up on. Um, he lived a life of authenticity. So people, he was likable. You know, people really, there's this awesome story in his autobiography that the first time he met C.S. Lewis, he was over in England and... Um, his wife had begun to read, I think, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe around that time, but it hadn't become really famous in America yet. It was really big over in, in Europe. And um, he met C.S. Lewis and had some mutual friends that connected them, and they spent, I think, a couple hours together. And C.S. Lewis is like one of his first comments was, there's a lot of critics of Billy Graham, which we don't tend to hear nowadays, right. but he had a lot of critics throughout a huge his amount. life in ministry. And he faced a lot of things like that of people that spoke against him. Again, we don't get as much of it now, so we just honor him now. Um, and I was actually surprised by that in, in some of the books that I read about him. But he said, nobody who I know who's met you has anything but good things to say about you. You know, so, oh. so there, yeah, there's something about, you know, he pursued people, he was authentic, and just had just this great love for people. And, and like, you're, you know, like you're saying about the book, The Truth Plus Love, he really walked that balance of truth plus love, 
he spoke the truth in love and he lived a life that was full of the fruit of the spirit. Yes. And, um, and so he's a great example in so many ways, but those are a few of them. I love that. I love that. Well, we're going to come back to the truth plus love book in just a minute here, but I want to ask you, you've been at it in your ministry now for 17 years, the ministry of evangelism, which in world history, 17 years is nothing. It's a blip on the radar screen. In terms of modern history and the way that our world is moving, 17 years is actually a long time and a lot of things can happen and change in culture. So I'm wondering in 17 years what you've seen change in culture and how that's reshaping even your own approach to evangelism, how you're thinking about kind of the the problems, challenges, and opportunities of evangelism. Yeah. Oh man, stuff is changing so fast. I just saw, and you guys know the YouVersion Bible app, you know, yesterday they celebrated 10 years, which when this releases, it won't, you know, it, it will have been just a few months after that, but the YouVersion Bible app this year celebrated 10 years, and um, that doesn't seem like that long, but, you know, in their first kind of conversations about it, what they said was, hey, people are buying this iPhone, it's really picking up, and um, and so this is a press release that's talking about this that Bobby Grunwald put out, you know, people are talking about this uh, iPhone, and so we've made the Bible free in all these languages on it, and we'd love for you Within a few days, 81,000 people had downloaded it. So it's weird to think back before the days yeah. of our iPhones, right, and yep. our smartphones, and before the days around that time when, you know, social media was popping up. Um, I don't know if any other leaders are like this, but I was really slow to get on social media. So initially I was, my my older brother, who's a pastor near Chicago, he forced me on to some of those early social networks. And what I realized um, back with some of those that aren't even around anymore was, I started to write articles and things that God was putting on my heart. And I realized, wow, this is like ministering here. This is really cool. And it it excited me. So that kind of slowly led to him forcing me on other platforms and slowly realizing how God could use something like that in somebody's life. And so that's just really set us on fire to, to say, we want to use that too. We want that to be a core thing. And so we really say as a ministry, we feel called the live events. We feel that that's a God-given wiring and purpose for us and into online ministry. Really, those two are focuses to spread the gospel. And uh, so, yeah, everything's changing and it's it's crazy. I mean, one of the things that is changing for church leaders nowadays is algorithms. You know, so Facebook will clamp down on how many people see your posts and it messes us all up. Well, how can we keep using this? And so it's learning to navigate those things and still be effective and as, you know, the social networks change and as, you know, people are getting used to those things now. So most people are on them. Um, but how can we, my, my question for you is how can we continue to champion some of those opportunities to yeah. talk about Jesus and to bring the Bible to our world? And let's talk about this for a second. How can we have the right spirit when we do it? Yeah. Because, um, let's be honest, there's a lot of virtual online. There's a lot of nastiness. Um, it's only grown in our culture. It's pretty pervasive and pretty painful. Yeah. Um, and so how can we as church leaders, because I think if, if church leaders set the pace, if believers set the pace, how, if Christians across our nation, around our world who are listening to this, if we set the pace, I think we can turn the tide and begin to speak in such a way that people see there's something different about us by just kind of our attitude online. I love that. That's maybe a good segue into your book. And I I totally share with you the conviction that there are massive opportunities for us right now, especially at the level of technology, which a lot of church leaders, they get nervous about and they kind of shy away from. But the gospel has always made significant advances historically on the back of technology. You think about the first century, it was the Roman Empire and all the roads throughout all of the the provinces and the regions. I mean, that allowed the gospel to go. And even a technology so simple as like binding the books together, papyruses and all that stuff. And then the Protestant Reformation, the printing press and all that. So I think that we've got to seize those opportunities. 
But to me, and you spoke to it, the challenges of the moment that we're living in culturally, culturally speaking are things like cynicism mm. and polarization, anger, fear, line drawing. And so it's easy, I think, for Christians to fall into that when they're on social media and all of that. So it's important to shape our presence in a different way. So take us on that note, take us into your book, Truth Plus Love, The Jesus Way of Influence. I'm assuming that it's some of what you're seeing in our culture that's really motivating you to write this book, but I'd love for you to take yeah. us into that. Yeah, this will release spring of this this following year, 2019 in April, and it's it's already available online for pre-order. And uh, this is just something that's been on my heart for years now. I would say about five years. Just had this, just such the sense of, I need to write this. I've been blogging about it. I've been uh, posting about it a lot. And so it's just a theme that I think God has put in my life. And I'll take you back to where it started years before in Bible college, studying ministry, grew up in the church, grew up in, you know, in a, in a Christian family. And, um, I think in my later years, as I was starting to pursue ministry, I think I looked at really the wrong examples of what it meant to be on fire for the Lord, what it meant to be really serious about God. And for a long time, you know, maybe at no fault of, except for my own, I was looking at different leaders and I thought it was to be really intense and to be, you know, almost aggressive or almost arrogant. And so even though I was raised in a Christian home, for some reason, Christian maturity, biblical maturity looked to me something that's so different, I think, than the biblical framework. And so I was kind of picking up this idea that, oh, you know, I've got to pray this certain amount and I've got to fast this certain amount and I've got to, you know, look really intense. And all that, you know, prayer and fasting are great. They're important. But Mm -hmm. what I began to realize that kind of ignited this book in motion for me was this balance of truth plus love. And really I write about in the book, chapter after chapter of different fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so I kind of packaged truth and love with that. And what has been hitting my heart over these years was that if we live lives of the fruit of the Spirit, which it's God working in us, but it's not something we produce in ourselves. If we live with a whole lot of love, if we live with a whole lot of joy and a whole lot of peace and kindness, then the gospel is going to look really good to people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Paul said in Ephesians, speaking the truth and love. And so he talks about this balance and obviously the Bible all through the, you know, scripture and all through the New Testament, it talks about really heavily on truth and on love. And they're two completely distinct traits. Uh, Truth is the truth of God's word. You can't change it. You know, denominations might try to change it and say, hey, this is permissible now. Hey, this is okay now. (laughs) We can go down these paths now. Yes. But God's word doesn't say that. It's never said that. It's very clear. And um, it's really simple. And God has chosen to clearly communicate with us and clearly guide us. And so the truth of God's word, if we don't, if we don't go with the truth of God's word, if we try to go on our, our own way, we don't have God's power yeah. to change people's lives. We don't have the power to save anymore. But on the flip side, there's also this love, this completely distinct trait, this completely separate trait. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, which we usually only read at weddings, but it's really how we should relate as believers to the world around us, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors. It says that if we are radical for God, if we're giving all our money away, if we have incredible faith, if we have incredible miracles, but we don't have love, we're missing it. And and it even says that we just sound like an annoying noise. We sound like a clanging gong or a cymbal. And so our words won't be heard. The gospel won't be heard through kind of this life of unlove. And so, so it's this balance. And so I just began to realize that really biblical maturity or Christian maturity, which the Bible clearly distinguishes between 
being early in our faith and infancy in our faith and maturity. And it tells yes. us to grow on to maturity, to become disciples. That's what we're all trying to do as church leaders. That's what we're all trying to do as believers is to grow towards maturity, to help other people grow towards maturity and to guide them. But we need to do it towards the fruit of the Holy Spirit, towards more love in our lives, towards more joy in our lives, towards more peace in our lives. That's what God wants to give us. He wants to work that in us. And so the filter is if we're going to go say something online or post something online or preach something in our sermons, and we're, is this loving? Is yes. this gentle? Yeah. And that's something I think even every church leader is asked, is this gentle? Do I have the father heart of God for my people? Do I have the compassion of God in my life and in what I'm saying? We need a burden from God. There's a difference in our culture between being bothered and being burdened. Mm. And so we really need to have God's heart, which I think comes out in the fruit of the spirit. And so, yeah, I mean, one of the things I've thought is like, I've never met an encourager who doesn't have a lot of friends. Right. You know, I've never met somebody, you know, Barnabas in the Bible is talked about as the encourager, but I've never met somebody, you know, you think about this. This is, this is thousands of years before the book about emotional intelligence was written, which, you know, is this business principle that says, hey, you can have IQ, but why do some people don't succeed who have super high IQ? It's because they don't have EQ. Emotional, and so yep. they, yeah, they talked about this difference. And that's how you relate to people, how you process things and how you process life. It's the fruit of the spirit, you know? It's great. A lot of it, it really ties into this, this biblical age-old principle that God gave us a long time ago, long before this, that is, hey, if you walk in truth, if you walk in love, if you walk in joy, if you lean into these things, right? Because there's a biblical framework. Yes, God produces in it. The Holy Spirit produces in us. The Holy Spirit produces holiness in us. Only he can. But... There's also this call to make every effort, you know, mm. in the Bible. There's this call to lean towards that, to put that in front of us, to keep it in front of us. Because mm -hmm. I think if we keep it in front of us, then we'll be praying more. God, work this in me. Uh -huh. Why am I not seeing this in my life? And this is something we need to pick up every single day of our lives. It's not just something that, you know, one and done and we're, we can move on from it. We need to keep this filter in front of us, the fruit of the Spirit. I love it. Truth and love. And so I believe that if we do this, that this is God's framework for influence. And we'll have influence with our families. We'll have greater influence with our families if we treat them this way. Yes. We'll have greater influence with our community. And think about this big picture, Christians in our nation today. We'll have influence in our nation in a way that we haven't seen if we walk more in the fruit of the Spirit and in both truth and love. Matt, I love what you're saying here. It made me think about the scripture in Proverbs that says that pleasant words make a man persuasive and a soft tongue breaks the bone. It's yes. such a great thing to say. I think that as Christians, sometimes we have this anxiety about our message. And so we try to cake it with a lot of extra stuff, a lot of emotionalism or high charged appeals or turn and burn or whatever. But there's something about the simplicity of presenting who Jesus is and the beauty of the kingdom that makes us persuasive. And I know as a pastor, I hope that when I pray for the church in America, I hope that churches rise up in the beauty of of Christ's persuasion, which is his own self presented to people. And he is his own provocation. I mean, there's a reason that Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Yeah. Like, can we embody that again? So I'm just curious as, as an evangelist, and this will be our last question for you. As an evangelist, you work with the church alongside the church to kind of provoke the church to a fresh imagination. So what's your burden for pastors uh, when it comes to evangelism and for churches? How are you hoping to see the church rise up in the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, I love that. Well, again, it's just been such an honor to be with you guys. Love this podcast. And, um, what an honor to speak into the lives of leaders. I honor those listening and these pastors and the work you're doing. Don't grow weary in doing good. And man, I just encourage you, how can you dream again or dream fresh about reaching people in your community? I mean, whatever ways that you can, and again, in this filter of both truth and love in your messages, but how can you as, as a church get people out in the community and do things in new ways, new ideas that will 
kind of bring the church to the people, bring the gospel to the people. You know, the Bible never said that the whole church would come to the world, but that the church should go to the whole world. Yes. So how can we get out there? How can we do more? How can we dream new dreams, pray new prayers, catch a fresh burden from God? That he, And I pray that, that God would drop a burden, a fresh burden in your heart for people who don't know Jesus in your community because God has placed you there for a strategic purpose. He has a plan for you. He's using you. If you're questioning that right now, God is using you. His hand is on you. And I pray that he would save you from any unnecessary pain, that he would protect you, that he would bless you and your family, and that, man, you would just continue to step into the things that he has for you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you.